0: Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Elmwood Athletic Director Kevin Wolf talks about the district's decision to join the Blanchard Valley Conference and what it means for the Royals' sports teams and student-athletes. Also this morning, the Track Wrestling Championship meet will be held tonight. Findlay High School coach Ben Curian previews the event and the upcoming OHSAA sectionals. We get an update on the latest 4-H programs and activities from the Hancock County OSU Extension. And many Americans who might otherwise be hesitant now say they're willing to get the coronavirus vaccine if it means they can travel again, because that's what they've missed most during the pandemic. Airbnb is out with their travel forecast. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, February 10th, 2021.
1: WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchak. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for mostly cloudy skies today and a high of 20, mostly cloudy tonight, a low of 10. The city of Finley held a virtual public meeting about a proposed designated outdoor refreshment area, or DORA.
2: We understand that there's a lot of concerns related to folks walking around downtown, um, getting over-intoxicated, making bad decisions, causing disruptions, um, and that's really not what this is about.
1: Mayor Christina Mearn says there has been no increase in crime in other communities that have implemented a DORA. City Council will consider the legislation at its meeting on Tuesday. Get more details and watch the full virtual meeting on our website. The number of active COVID cases in Hancock County dropped again. The latest data released by Hancock Public Health shows that there are 110 active cases of the virus in the county. That's a drop of 42 from a week ago. Five people are hospitalized with the virus in Hancock County. One less than a week earlier. Ninety-four Hancock County residents have died from the virus. That number stayed the same as last week. Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose was in Finley for a roundtable at the Chamber of Commerce. He spoke about steps the state is taking to modernize Ohio's elections. One is creating an online absentee ballot request.
3: You shouldn't have to fill out a piece of paper just to get the Board of Elections to mail you another piece of paper that you got to mail back to them. It's three trips back and forth in the mail. By creating a secure online portal where people can go and verify their identity.
1: And you can watch our full conversation with the Secretary on our website. The ODNR says Ohio's white tailed deer hunting season that recently concluded was one of the most successful ever. Nearly 198,000 deer were harvested this season, an increase of around 14,000 from last season final harvest total represents all deer taken during archery, gun, muzzleloader, and youth seasons. Coshocton County led the state in the number of deer taken, followed by Tuscaroras, Ashtabula, Licking, and Knox Counties rounding out the top five. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. If you need a
0: reason to celebrate today, there is always a reason to celebrate. And let me tell you why. We would want to celebrate today. It is National Cream Cheese Brownie Day. National Cream, not just any brownies. Cream Cheese Brownie Day. National Flannel Day, which I can think of no more appropriate day to observe. National Flannel Day than today. Uh, Good day to wear some flannel. National Home Warranty Day. It is Teddy Day. Celebrating, by the way, the toy bear, not the lingerie. I looked it up. And it is umbrella day today. Probably won't need your umbrella today, but. Flannel? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we were talking about, uh, the weather and how cold it is. 14 degrees, by the way, to uh, start your day in the Flag City. Feels like it's in the middle single digits out there. So very cold. Many parts of the country, it is very cold. The coldest it's been since the pandemic began last March. And this has some people wondering if they should be cleaning their outerwear more often than they used to. You know, your scarves and gloves and your coats and all of those things. Because of the pandemic, you need to clean those. more? Fortunately, the CDC along with other health experts, generally agree that touching surfaces is not thought to be a common way for the coronavirus to spread, and we are much more likely to catch the bug from being in close contact with an infected person. So, in other words, no, probably don't need to worry about uh, laundering your gloves and scarves and uh, things like that any more than you normally would. Um... Peter Chin Hong is an infectious disease doctor with the University of California, tells the Huffington Post that there is basically no reason to be overly concerned with things like coat cleaning if you mainly just go out for necessities and you don't work in a healthcare setting. If you're in a high risk job, then, well, maybe. But otherwise, you can stick to the standard approach of cleaning coats uh, once or twice per season. So just in case you were wondering on that. Uh, Valentine's Day countdown is on. It's always stressful going on a first date. So are our first impressions of people accurate? You know that old saying, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Researchers at McGill University say that first impressions generally are pretty accurate. But it might be more difficult to accurately assess someone's personality on a first date than it would be in a more casual setting. Researchers looked at over 370 people who participated in speed dating events, collecting information about each participant's personality from various sources, and they found on average people saw their date's personalities accurately, but that some daters were easier to read than others. They say one reason for this could be that some individuals simply present themselves better, Researcher Lauren Heumann explains, quote, perhaps people, have, perhaps people that have greater well-being behave in ways that are more in line with their personality, being more authentic or true to themselves, unquote. The next thing the scientists hope to look for uh, or hope to look at or to study is specifically why those who report greater well-being are seen more accurately on first dates. So anyway, so I, it is interesting, though, that uh, if someone is, I guess, comfortable in their own skin, confident with who they are, then they, they project an accurate uh, 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 projection of their personality. But how would you know on the other end whether you were getting that accurate read or not? Because until you know how genuine, how confident they are, you don't know how genuine they are. Anyway, along those same lines, I saw this. Uh, More ways that you can tell if someone is lying to you. Researchers in France find that people tend to speak slower and put less emphasis on the middle of their words when they are lying. If you want to be seen as more honest and confident, you should speak quickly and put greater intensity in the middle of a word and drop your pitch at the end of a phrase. The scientists say the subtle changes in the way we speak are registered by the brain automatically, and it happens across a number of different languages, not just among English-speaking individuals. They say the next step is looking at how speakers unconsciously change the way they speak. So, pay attention. Uh, what else is uh, going on among the uh, most interesting, uh, most buzzworthy stories to start off your day? You remember the story of the Super Bowl streaker who took to the field in that pink jumpsuit? And again, if you were watching the big game on Sunday, um, you didn't see that because when it happened, the cameras immediately cut away and CBS went to a commercial break. And uh, But there is video all over the internet, if you have not seen it, uh, all you have to do is Google Super Bowl streaker and you'll be able to see exactly what this guy did and and uh, all of this. But anyway, I mentioned yesterday, I think it is so crazy that they limited attendance. It was about, what, one third of the normal number of people who would be at the Super Bowl and of <laughs> of all of those restrictions, this guy got in. Anyway, what's interesting, this is the postscript on that whole thing. He's been arrested. He's been charged. But was it worth it? Yuri Andrade, I think is how you pronounce it. And Andrade? Andrade? Yuri Andrade? Andrade? I don't know. A-N-D-R-A-D-E. Who cares? This guy says he was able to make $375,000 from his stunt. That is because he bet... On there being a streaker at the Super Bowl. It was one of the prop bets at the gambling website Bovada. And so he bet that there would be a streaker. And he got out there and streaked across the field. So he was able to collect on his bet. $375,000. He is facing charges. But you... Can decide for yourself. Was it worth it? I guess that's uh, that's the answer to the you know the old question. Would you? What would you do for a quarter million dollars? Would you do this for a quarter million dollars? Would you do that? Well, apparently, when it came down to would you streak across the field at the Super Bowl for three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, then uh, this guy said, "Sure, I would. Absolutely." <laughs> anyway, so there you go. Some of the uh, more interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started.
4: You can help recognize outstanding teachers in Findlay and Hancock County. Nominate a current teacher who made a difference in your life for the Finley Rotary Club's Golden Apple Awards. Place your nomination online at finleyrotary.org. Nomination deadline is April 2nd. Please promote the work, dedication, and achievements of all teachers by nominating an excellent teacher for the Golden Apple Awards. This message provided by WFIN.
0: Our cover story this morning. Earlier this week, the Board of Education at Elmwood local schools decided to accept an invitation to join the Blanchard Valley Conference for their athletic programs, Athletic Director Kevin Wolf is with us on the line this morning. Kevin, thanks very much for uh, taking some time to uh, talk about uh, this uh, exciting news. I understand that this was actually the culmination of a a search that has been going on for uh, about a year or two. Is that right?
3: Yes. Yeah. It's. Uh, this is my first uh, full school year in Elmwood, and uh, this conversation was on prior to me even coming on. So. Yes.
0: So. Uh Like we said, the uh, school board uh, voted unanimously to accept the invitation to join the BVC, but there uh, was some concern voiced by some members of the community, the school community, uh, and that is, I I guess, to be expected because there has been a long association with some of the uh, schools in your current conference, uh, Eastwood and uh, Woodmore and, and so on. There's a long history there.
3: That is correct. Any time uh, before the NBC, they were in the SLL, which was a long-time standing conference. Uh, I don't know all the whole history of that, as I, as I said, I wasn't part right. of that. Um, but you're exactly right. Anytime time there's change, it's always difficult and it's always tough, and we we fully understand that. Uh, we were just looking at, you know, with all this potential league movement going on around Toledo with the future of athletics in Elmwood um, and the bright future, you know, we are nothing but very, there's no ill feelings towards the NBC or any school there whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And we still fully plan on playing several of those schools. They would just be non-league as well. Um, We're very, uh, we're very, Pleased with the NBC, would have no bad, like I said, no bad feelings towards anybody. We just want to thank them for the many years of friendly competitiveness and and everything else. And all of them actually have reached, most of them reached out to us and have been a very, uh, very congratulatory and wishing us well and, mm-hmm. and still want to play us. Um, but we're also very excited about new opportunities and new rivalries that we currently have some non-league rivalries with some of the BBC schools anyways, and yeah. we play several of them. And we're just very excited to be a part of a very established uh, a secure or established in, uh, conference of very, very good schools. So,
0: And uh, you make a good point that a number of those associations with the uh, schools in your current conference to be able to maintain as non-league contests uh, moving forward. In in moving to the BVC, uh, you are going from a little fish to a very big fish uh, in this pond. Uh, mm. In the uh, NBC, you've got uh, schools like uh, Genoa and Rossford and Fox Astoria and coming into this league with schools the size of uh, predominantly the size of uh, Arlington and Corey Rawson and uh, Arcadia. Talk a little bit about that uh, dynamic is going from, like we said, that little fish to being a big fish.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, there's different ways you can look at it and how, how people want to approach it. But, uh, I mean, good programs are good programs. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter if you're big, small, medium, whatever. Um, and NBC definitely has those. A great communities, great everything. A lot of it, too, are dynamics of our community and versus dynamics compared to the Blanchard Valley. We're very similar in demographics is to a lot of those schools anyways. Um, there's just... A lot of factual variables that we went into looking at these things, and again, we are enrollment-wise going to be one of the top two or three schools, in size-wise enrollment, which we did like, but we also know, you know, in a lot of sports, size is cool, really doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, um, we looked holistically across the board. We looked at all our programs. We looked at the future coming. We looked at what's the best opportunities. We just felt, and we met with all our head coaches, and about 95 percent of our head coaches were for the um were for this move knowing that the positives more outweighed the negatives for this the, the, and yeah
0: no go ahead finish that thought
3: no yeah so that was uh, a lot of the mindset with it and we had a lot of discussion it wasn't just an overnight decision and right as like as you mentioned earlier it was a tough decision and it still is but we know moving forward that the excitement's there. You know, like any decision that's made with any school district, there are going to be. People that are for it and against it. You know sure. how that goes, right? And, but everybody's going to have different reasons. I think in a couple of years we're going to look back and realize this was a good decision. So uh,
0: the one uh, sport, obviously, where uh, size does come into play, would be football, where playing right. uh, larger schools uh, gives you uh, the potential for uh, valuable computer points to uh, make the playoffs. So I, I would assume that you're looking to make up some of the difference with some of those non-league. Uh, uh, contests?
3: Sure, yeah. I mean, there's discussions that are going to have to happen with the Blanche Valley. We'll see what was going on with the football. We had those discussions. Um, won't go into those details because there are private conversations right now, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what's going on um, as far as non-league. We still hope to play like an Eastwood, for example, mm-hmm. um, which is our big rivalry. Big rivalry we yeah. talked with them, and I think they're very much interested in still doing that. Um, I, I feel that, uh, you know, when you look at those numbers, you know, the state playoffs are expanding to 12 teams anyway, mm-hmm. so that helps alleviate some of that. But again, when you look at bigger schools, it helps with points, but it still comes down to wins, too. So when you're looking at even schools that might be smaller than us, they're still football and solid schools. You know what I'm saying?
5: So
4: mm-hmm. you still
3: got your, you know, Liberty Benton's our size of school, and they're right. there. Right. And you got Van Buren. You still have the Lipsics and the Arlington's and the McCombs. They're still traditionally strong programs. Yeah. So, uh, so it's not like just because it's division, we're small division five. They're still division six and sevens. That's not. I mean, they're still winning,
0: right? Yeah, so, uh, definitely yeah. some uh, strong programs in the uh, BVC, absolutely, uh, and the MVC your... has
3: very strong programs, but right. they're also bigger schools too. Right. So when you go play bigger schools, and if you're if you're not winning, it does it still comes down to wins and losses. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, bigger or smaller doesn't matter if uh, if you're not winning uh, those games. That Correct. is uh, certainly <laughs> a valuable point. Correct. Uh ultimately, Correct. uh kind of recap ultimately what swayed the decision? What was the biggest uh benefit of uh BVC affiliation?
3: Well, I think it just it's holistically. It's not just one decision. You know what I'm saying? It's a holistic decision of all the variables involved. I I can't pinpoint one because, Mm -hmm. like I said, I'm just one component. It was a board decision at that point. They listened to all the coaches. I really respect our board. They did a great job. They did their homework. And it's like I said, this was not an overnight decision. This has been going on for a couple years. Um, So a lot of variables come into play. So just to pick one pinpoint division, we know that I think a lot of decision was, you know, similar demographics of things, the, mm-hmm. the stability of the Blanchard Valley Conference, the respect of the Blanchard Valley Conference, great communities, great schools. The NBC also had that, but it's also, you know, demographics and, yeah. and those things, I think, played a lot of part of it. And looking at across all the programs... And talking to all our coaches, we took a lot of their input. You know, if all our coaches were against it, it might have been a different story. But, sure. a lot of, you know, like I said, almost all of them were for it.
0: So. Mm-hmm. And, and travel time is going to be fairly similar uh, across the board based on geographics uh, from what it looks like.
3: That is correct. Yeah. It's like a one so, mile difference on the average. Yeah. So, you know, and the other thing, too, is the current landscape of the NBC is a round robin. So we play everybody twice. Mm-hmm. So you have to make those drives every year. We're mm-hmm. in the Blanchard Valley moving forward, whenever that, whether it's going to be 2022 or 2023, um, when that year happens, it's going to be, you don't have the round robin, which also helps
4: mm-hmm.
3: prepare you for tournaments because you can build a schedule that can also balance out you can also get okay. more tournament action because the one game versus two makes it more prevalent yeah. to those things and it makes it more that it's a must-win game a yeah. more tournament type of atmosphere okay. so and you don't have to make those drives every year right you know, like for us the pandora gilboa would be one of our longer drives in that league but it's every other year and right respect, respect the sport which is not a problem either so and, yeah i mean i could See for, I think you see for a lot. I mean, I can't see for everybody, but I think a lot of people are excited. I think there's, you know, you know, it's a change. Anytime there's change, there's always going to sure. be a what if. But I think once we get in there and get established, it's just going to be something. But you got a current landscape of the NBC. I mean, the conference is only about twelve years old anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, and so, but yeah, we, we really appreciate and thank everybody for the friendly rivalries, and we're still going to be part of that at least through next year. It,
0: it <laughs> so. is a uh, it is a good point that it uh, does allow more sl- uh, scheduling flexibility. The structure of the uh, league contest in the uh, BBC. absolutely. And you mentioned absolutely. and you mentioned it's still a bit up in the air as to when you would join the bbc whether it's next year or the year following and that really uh, determined will be determined by your current uh, league affiliation whether you can be released from those contracts uh for uh, next year or whether it'll have to be the year after is that right
3: correct yeah their current la- the constitution of the northern buckeye conference states that's two-year transition okay. the league can grant you early leave if you ask uh next year would be an awful quick turnaround to get schedules all figured out and logistics and dynamics. Um, Most of the time I would see maybe a a one-year transition what i would be thinking but again i can't speak for them that's up to the executive committee of the nbc to decide that so, so um, it could be next year it could be 2022 it could be 2023 it's hard to say so
0: uh, stay tuned uh, with respect to that but uh, exciting times uh, for both the bbc and for elmwood schools again athletic director kevin wolf was with us this morning kevin thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it thank you chris speaking of local sports The Three Rivers Athletic Conference will hold their wrestling championship conference wrestling championship meet later on this evening at uh, Oregon Clay High School. Findlay High School coach Ben Curian previews the event and the upcoming OHSAA sectionals with Coach's Corner host John Marshall.
4: Can you give us a little bit of a recap of the team's season to this point? So we had a very unusual season uh, that all of our tournaments we were planning on going into either got canceled, um, or, or modified. So we ended up having to schedule a dual schedule. to a lot of teams we wouldn't have normally seen, but at the same time we kind of had two, two ways we could have went with it. We could have scheduled really, really light competition and you know, build our dual schedule, um, for wins and losses, but we wouldn't have gotten the exposure that we were trying to get our top wrestlers exposed to. Um, so I went the opposite route and I kind of loaded our schedule up, um, For example, at the end of the season, we wrestled 40 dual matches, and of the 40 dual matches, 14 of the teams we wrestled against are still top 10 opponents, and four of them were ranked in the top 10 when we competed against them. So I I took some hits in my dual schedule, but we got our top kids the the matches they needed uh, to get exposure um, and get colleges looking at them and get them ready for the postseason. So now tonight is the Three Rivers Athletic Conference League meet. Who is representing you in this one? Will Johnston a freshman for us at 106, uh Mackay Simpson, a sophomore at 113. Hudson Goble a returning state qualifier at 120. He's currently 32 and 4 and ranked number 9 in the state. 126 will be TJ Barnes who's 17 and 9 and currently ranked 30th in the state. 32 will be Jimmy Padpom who's 23 and 7 and currently ranked number 13 in the state. Or 138 will be Ethan Mitchell who's 24-6 and six and ranked number 15 in the state currently. 145 will be Austin Sertel. Uh, 152 will be Grant Jolliff. We're, we're glad to have Grant come back this year. 160 will be Caden Fryman, who's a junior for us. 170, Deshaun Jackson is a senior. Uh, 182, Alan Peters, who's a senior. Uh, 220 is Tyler Treft, who's a junior for us. And then, um, unfortunately, our, our heavyweight will be Logan Trinko, and I'm not making a shot on Logan, but... Max Farmer is a uh, senior captain for us, and he was ranked number 16 in the state, but unfortunately was injured uh, two weeks ago in a, in a match, and so we will not have him for the, for the league tournament or, or sectionals. So now you get through the track tournament tonight. Your sights turn to the upcoming individual tournament. Correct. When do you get started with that? Uh, we'll start prep on, on Thursday. We've already kind of laid out our practice schedule for the next couple of weeks. But the sectional tournament is kind of weird this year on friday we don't have the time schedule yet but they're running the entire tournament for 106 through 145 um and it'll be at oregon clay so friday february 26th and then saturday uh february 27th they'll run the second set of weeks, 152 to 285 a whole single day tournament so it'll be, it'll be a little bit more stressful for the coaches they're running two days with half our team so we'll have to leave somebody back here to train the guys that aren't going um and then, you know, the other coaches will be up there running the sectional tournament.
0: Again, Finley High School wrestling coach Ben Kirian previewing the track wrestling championship meet tonight in the upcoming OHSAA sectionals later this month. You can hear the full interview with Ben Kirian. You can hear the full interview with Coach Kirian tonight on The Coach's Corner with John Marshall, 6 o'clock, right here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Cassie Turner is with us uh, this morning uh, in the studio with an update: uh, the latest 4-H programs and activities. The Hancock County OSU Extension 4-H Week is right around the corner. It is.
5: It's hard to believe that we are already heading towards March, but February is about half done, and we're start. Our clubs are kicking off. Um, the volunteers have spent the last cup last week uh, getting their volunteer kickoff training and um, getting their materials together and rounded up. So uh, we'll start advertising clubs as as they're getting their meetings organized. Um, you know, moving in with still still working with COVID guidelines. Mm -hmm. So um, most of the clubs are either meeting where we can do social distance and masks and all that to keep us safe or doing hybrid meetings so people have an option um, uh, um, however they want to join in. So we want to keep that in the foremost is that 4-H is doing everything we can to keep people safe Mm -hmm. um, and and working with us. And we know that, um, you know, sometimes the virtual format is not not as exciting, yeah. um, but there's a lot of cool things that are happening. So we're going to be exci- excited and, to see that. And we've talked about this
0: uh, in the in the past. It does actually afford you the opportunity to do some things that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to do. It
5: does. It, it, um you know, and I think we're seeing that across the board in our community is that there's a lot of different folks that you can bring in via Zoom that mm-hmm. maybe wouldn't be able to to you know drive or they're across the country or work for someplace different. Yeah. Um. So that we're able to tap in some different resources. So yeah, there's some neat things coming, and we're excited about that. There's still time. To- to uh, join a 4-H club? There's still time to join 4-H. There's still time to become a volunteer. If you're interested in becoming a 4-H volunteer, we do um, ask that by February 19th that you at least have the process started, which okay. includes your application and then working with us to get your fingerprints taken. And then there's an interview process and then some training.
0: And of course, that's uh, coming up next week. It so. is coming
5: up. That's why I said that. February's flying through here. Yeah, so. No
0: kidding. Uh, and then what else is planned for uh, 4-H week as you So come we've up on got
5: that? some fun stuff planning. The uh, Actually, 4-H week... Ohio 4-H Week and Hancock County 4-H Week is uh, March 7th through the 13th. But the week before, we have Taste of 4-H planned. Um, Instead of our traditional, um, everybody come to a big facility and we all get together to do a kickoff we're Mm going to have the taste of 4-H so it'll be broken into four or five nights um, over the course of those two weeks we're still um, uh, finalizing some details on that Um, but each night we'll focus on a different area different topics so people can check out um, try an activity whether they're attending virtually or if they're attending in person we're still kind of seeing where we are for attending in person or if it'll be a virtual event Um, is kind of where I'm hold my breath here for a second, but the goal is to do a hybrid program so that everybody's got an opportunity. Uh, So if you want to check out leadership, if you want to check out sewing, if you want to check out what kind of opportunities we might have for camping or clover buds, we're going to have different programs that whole week for folks to check out.
0: And that is a big part of 4-H. Again, something that we've talked about in the past is that there are opportunities in whatever area of interest uh, you have. It is not just a rural focus. Oh, definitely. uh, I I think one of our most
5: popular programs is. Our shooting sports program mm-hmm. um you know we've got a a great group of volunteers that are specifically trained to do youth development and shooting sports which is a little bit different than some of the different avenues you might go down mm-hmm. um, and you know that that's definitely something that you know and as it warms up that's an outside activity so it's sure. a little bit easier to, to get back up and going um, so yeah there's all those different topics to check in stem is a huge one uh, march 7th Will be um, the next Science Explorers meeting. So there's there's all those different cool opportunities out there, and we we encourage kids to take um you know take a look, explore, and have some fun with it. And kids
0: of virtually all ages can get involved.
5: Really, um, Clover buds are kindergarten through. Uh, second grade and then um, project 4-H starts when they're eight and in third grade Um, so we just finished our Cloverbug graduation from 2020 we did a little video for all the kids it was fun Um, and then the other thing you know we like to to welcome all our little sprouts as early as possible so the week of 4-H week so March 7th through the 8th or 7th to 13th all the babies born at Blanchard Valley We'll get a specially quilted-made burp cloth. This is the nicest burp cloth. It's not the old white diaper. <laughs> These are quilt squares. They're beautiful that our volunteers have made. Um, this year, it's, for, it's a patriotic theme. So they're red, white, and blue. And then the very first baby born is going to get a gift basket sponsored by one of our 4-H clubs and a quilt made by um, our master clothing educator so it's Very cool. a fun week and yeah. we're working with the hospital to be creative to make sure that everybody gets that safe experience so um, we're excited
0: yeah uh so we look forward to many more details on uh, all of the uh, celebration uh when we see you next month we'll get yes. to more uh, details on uh, some of that and in the meantime uh, as you said, still time to sign up to be a part of the club or to be a volunteer, but that deadline is coming very quickly. How do folks get more information?
5: So, the easiest way is to um, contact me at turner.280 at osu.edu and always check out our website at hancock.osu.edu. All those materials are there and just kind of look underneath 4 H and you'll find stuff. All
0: right. We've got it linked up at our webpage as well. Cassie Turner, the Hancock County OSU Extension with an update of the latest 4 H programs and activities. Cassie, thanks very much for. For dropping by. We Thanks, appreciate it. Chris.
4: We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: Today's update of the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service more or less of Hancock County Veterans Services. Um I, this is the old phrase. Ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. Uh so for some folks it is absolutely irresistible, but it can get you into trouble if you're not careful. Uh for one man who tried to make off with eight pints of ice cream, found himself dangling off a ledge as a result. According to the New York City Police Department, man with sticky fingers tried to steal eight pints of ice cream from a local CVS store. Unfortunately for him, he wasn't that great at uh, being inconspicuous as he was doing so. Uh, The uh, police recalled suspect fled with his ice cream in tow, and uh when police arrived they gave chase it was a wild moose tracks chase through the streets of new york uh before this guy tried to evade officers by jumping off of a building into the alleyway below but it didn't go as planned because he caught himself on a ledge police found themselves looking up at the perp dangling helplessly from a few stories up <laughs> According to the official NYPD 23rd Precinct Twitter account on Tuesday, quote, after stealing eight pints of Haagen-Dazs from a local business, this man's getaway did not go as planned. We found him, rescued him and brought a safe conclusion to this precarious ice capade in East Harlem, <laughs> complete with an embarrassing photo of the dangling ice cream thief. Um, thank you to NYPD Special Ops Emergency Services for lifting this man to safety. The ice cream was thankfully recovered. As for the thief, uh, he should... Uh, I, I'm sure this will bring up some interesting conversations in his jail cell when people say, what are you in for? <laughs> well, I stole eight pints of haagen Made off of some Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> but I ended up dangling from a ledge. It's crazy. Uh, one of the more unusual thefts you will hear about this year. This is an unusual burglary in uh, Stafford County. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure where. Kansas? Stafford County, Kansas? Perhaps? Uh, a woman, 31-year-old Madison Snyder, uh, is in custody after an unusual burglary, it says. uh, Ms. Snyder was partially naked, muddy, and armed with a pitchfork as she tried to force her way into a nearby home on Sunday morning. (laughs) What a way to spend your Sunday morning. Partially naked, muddy, and armed with a pitchfork, tried to force her way into a home. Uh, Ms. Snyder reportedly attacked a resident of the home uh, caused some serious injuries, but non-life-threatening injuries, so her victim will will recover. Thank goodness. Uh, she also attacked responding deputies once police were called with said pitchfork. Uh, she is facing half a dozen charges from the incident. Uh, she is also wanted in nearby York County uh, and by uh, state authorities in Kansas. So <laughs> she's in. all Again, she had a bad day. Uh, That is a that is definitely a bad day. You know, when you start your day partially naked, muddy and armed with a pitchfork, it's probably not going to end well. This is uh, this is actually uh, really funny, especially because the law is something to be taken very seriously. But that's what makes this uh, such a a funny clip. This is your viral video clip of the day. You got to look this up. A a Texas lawyer was attending a virtual hearing via Zoom recently when he had to clarify that he is not a cat. (laughs) A video of the 394th Judicial District Court hearing posted to YouTube shows uh, attorney Rod Ponton struggling to turn off a filter that had turned his face into that of a cat during the Zoom call. (laughs) Mr. Ponton says in the video, I am... I'm here live, and I am not a cat. Judge Roy Ferguson, who presides over the district, tweeted out a clip from the video writing, important Zoom tip, if a child use your computer before you join a virtual hearing, especially for a court hearing, check the Zoom video options to be sure the filters are off. This kitten just made a formal announcement on a case in the 394th. (laughs) Well, at least it made the judge laugh. I guess that's... There's that. I don't know if he was successful in his in advocating for his client. Any <laughs> cat filter on? I saw the video. It is rather humorous. He's kind of looking around trying to figure out how to turn it off. Um, and finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, uh, digging your car out of the snow is no joke in a big city. And a Chicago man's unusual way of calling dibs on his parking spot has gone viral. Uh, this is a common practice in Chicago. Uh, residents often uh, use lawn chairs or traffic cones to mark off the spots that they shovel. Uh, because they go out and they, they shovel out a parking spot. And in the meantime, they don't want somebody else to steal their spot that they worked to clear. So they'll you know put a lawn chair or a traffic cone to, to reserve that spot until they can go and, and, and park in it. Well, Adam Selzer of Westridge, Illinois... Uh, decided to do something a little more unique rather than a lawn chair or a traffic cone. He uh, reserved his shoveled out space using a pair of frozen pants that he shaped to stand up on their own. (laughs) He wrote on Twitter, uh, this is how you have fun during a polar vortex Uh, (laughs) pants with nobody inside them. How he did it. He soaked a pair in, in water, took them outside in about 20 minutes he said, you can form them into a shape, and in another 20, they are frozen solid. <laughs> and he just sat it there in the parking space to reserve. He said he's uh, not working and uh, right now, and so he had plenty of time to uh, figure out uh, how to do it. And now he next plans to add a frozen shirt to his ensemble for the next time. that He shovels out of parking space. Again, worth checking out online if you want to see the... Uh, uh, the uh, thing it would uh, certainly uh, grab your attention. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news update brought to you as a public service more or less.
4: line at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices.
0: And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. You know, Valentine's Day is uh, right around the corner, and uh, scientists have now uncovered the best pickup lines that you can use on Tinder. (laughs) Yes, that's right. They did research on this, uh, testing out various pickup lines on two hundred thirty seven young heterosexual adults and found that the best pickup lines use humor as opposed to like a compliment uh, uh, somebody. So use humor Uh, specifically. They found men who used funny introductions were seen as more attractive and women also rated them as more intelligent, more kind and more trustworthy. So guys pay attention. The top five pickup lines as rated by women, number one, do you have any raisins? No? Well, how about a date? <laughs> that was number one. See, now I'm thinking this is why uh, women, if they, they know that you're, you're dad material, you are marriage material, you are dad material, because that is a dad joke right there. Uh, the number two pickup line, are you from Tennessee? Because you are the only, one, only 10 IC. The Tennessee 10 IC. Pickup line number three, I'm not really this tall. I'm sitting on my wallet, which I, that plays into the whole rich uh, husband thing there. I like that. Number four, is your name Wi-Fi? Because I think we've got a connection. Huh, huh, huh. And number five, the top five pickup lines, are you a tower? Because I for you. Eiffel Tower. Eiffel. Get it? You get it? Yeah. So there you go. Again dad jokes you know they're dad material because they're dad jokes top five pickup lines this is according to science i tell you well question for you this morning if there was one thing that you have missed more than anything else over the past year what would it be If you said travel, you are not alone. It is, in fact, the number one thing that Americans are ready to get back to this year. And joining us is Airbnb's Cassidy Blackwell with their outlook for post-pandemic travel in 2021. And Cassidy, we were talking a little bit about this the other day. I thought it was really interesting that most people say that they are going to be prioritizing visiting family that they haven't been able to see, as opposed to going to the Grand Canyon or Disney World or Paris or something like that.
2: That's right. I mean, let's just take let's just take a moment to set the scene. We're coming up on the one-year mark of the pandemic having seriously disrupted people's everyday lives. Billions of people have been forced to stay home and stay isolated, and as a result, people are now lonelier than ever. So what they're craving more than anything else is the opportunity to reconnect with their friends, their families, their loved ones, and they want to use travel for these moments of reconnection. So yes, as you mentioned, travel is the number one activity that Americans have missed the most. They miss this more than going to restaurants. They miss travel more than going to bars, to sporting events, to concerts. In fact, 54% of people have already booked or are planning to travel in 2021. And we believe that this type of meaningful travel of the type of travel that is infused with connection will replace mass travel. So instead of going to crowded landmarks and mass tours, people want these moments of authentic and intimate experiences that will allow them To spend quality time with their friends and family in 2021.
4: You
0: also found that people are being somewhat more spontaneous. Maybe it's out of necessity, maybe not being able to make those plans several months out. So those uh, plans are being made in a shorter amount of time.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, in our survey, we found that two in five Americans can work or study remotely. um, And they're doing, they're booking homes on Airbnbs to allow them to do exactly that. They've got more flexible schedules and people are really taking advantage of that flexibility. They're booking at non-traditional times. They can hop in their car and just go rather than having to plan months in advance and book flights. Um, So we're also seeing that flexibility that is really informing how people choose to travel. They're going closer. They're going um, at the more last minute intervals. And in addition, people are also booking staycations just to have a change of scenery beyond the walls of
0: their home. Hmm. Uh, I wonder, are there generational trends here? I mean, are retirees looking at this differently than, say, families or even young couples without children? That's exactly right. We're
2: actually seeing that younger Gen Z and millennial travelers are leading the way when it comes to the shift towards meaningful travel. So yes, we know that a majority of Americans are really excited to travel in 2021, but 60% of millennials and 57% of Gen Zers are already booked to travel or they plan to travel in 2021. These younger travelers are also leading the way when it comes to eco-conscious travel. 56% of travelers under the age of 50 are more likely to use a platform that allows them to search for green or environmentally friendly accommodations versus just 28% of those 50 plus who stay the same. But the one thing that people of all ages agree on is the importance of using travel to be able to be closer to family. 32% of Americans want to travel to be closer to family.
0: Interesting on that uh, eco-travel. No, that is a trend that you actually saw before all of this. So interesting that that uh, continues to grow. Of course, all of this, I would imagine, is very much dependent on the rollout of the vaccine, that will probably determine how quickly things get back to normal overall.
2: Right. You know, um, I think the vaccine is providing a light at the end of the tunnel for a lot of people. In our survey, we found that travel is in the top three reasons that people want to get vaccinated. 37% of Americans want to get vaccinated just so that they can travel. Mm. Um, Recently, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention also indicated that, yes, Staying at home is indeed the safest option, but they recognize that short-term rentals, such as those available on Airbnb, are safer than hotels for those who do choose to travel.
0: And here is a a perfect example uh, of an area where we also wonder if things will go back to the way they were before uh over the past year you were alluding to it a little bit earlier a lot more road trips and fewer people flying even for longer distance travel do you think that will continue i mean have we seen the rebirth of the great american road trip
2: it's really interesting you know in in this year of meaningful travel People used to want to go to larger cities and urban destinations. And now travelers will go anywhere just as long as it's nearby. So there's this rediscovery of these local smaller communities within 200, 300 miles of a person's home. Um, Right now, we found that over half of the consumers that we surveyed prefer one of these domestic or nearby destinations versus 20 just 21 percent who want to travel internationally or further away
0: that is a good point too if if we're not looking to go to a major landmark or a place you know we're looking to visit family or visit smaller places these are oftentimes places that are not served by airports and so you know driving becomes a necessity so there's that playing into it as well really fascinating stuff again airbnb's cassidy blackwell with us this morning their outlook for post-pandemic travel in 2021 Cassidy, thanks very much for the uh, time where can people learn more about this survey that we're talking about here
2: yes you can go to airbnb.com and this will allow you to find places to stay whether you're going near or far we, offer, we also offer thousands of locally hosted experiences. So again, that's
0: Airbnb.com. And of course, remember, you can uh, find a link uh, on our webpage there, goodmornings.net, to that as well. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. Again, thanks to all of our guests for joining us. And check out our website for more details on all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show. You can also connect with us on social media. Shoot us an email if there's something you want to share directly. Uh, sign up for our daily email newsletter. It's all there at goodmornings.net. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.